0: Sport Calgary conducts research into sports issues in our city. Did you know that the gross municipal amateur sport product in Calgary is over $1.2 billion per year? Visit sportcalgary.ca to learn more. Hi, gang. Oh, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad you could be here. I'm your podcasting pal, your podcasting friend, uh, your uh, podcasting guy. Anyway, I'm glad you're here. My name's Rob Kerr. Uh, Welcome to the original Six Feet Conversation podcast for Sport Calgary. I am a director for Sport Calgary, so pleased to be doing this. We're uh, up over 40 podcasts here in the last couple of months with uh, people from all walks of life, but have a connection to sport in the city of Calgary, which I think is really cool. And we're going to keep that train rolling today as uh, we bring a very interesting guest. Um for many reasons. And I think one of the things that you're going to take away from this podcast, and certainly the thing that I took away from this podcast was his incredible honesty. But I I suppose that's kind of where he finds himself in life. Uh, Bob Wilkie is a former national hockey league player, cups of coffee with the Detroit Red Wings and the Philadelphia Flyers, but uh, played over a decade of professional hockey. But that comes after a junior career. He's a Calgary kid, played for the Wranglers briefly, but went to Swift Current. But, uh, 1986 was part of that tragic bus crash that claimed four lives of the Swift current Broncos. Um, after that, a, a number of things got in his way and life spiraled out, of, spiraled out of control, you might say, for Bob. And he went to a very dark place. Um, but he had an awakening. And, and not only did he have an awakening, um, he has become this uh, agent of change. He's become this force of nature uh, for young athletes, for coaches, for parents, for sports organizations, and we'll talk about that. If you don't know the Bob Wilkie story, perhaps as a precursor to this podcast, you may want to Google it. Um, that only reason, because we just didn't spend a lot of time on it. Um, we spent a lot of time on the current life that we were in um, and how Bob's helping with that, but also we got into some really interesting places for someone like myself to go with someone like Bob. Uh, normally... This is one of those interviews where you you know you kind of stay to the the story but I uh, wanted to take the opportunity of talking to Bob and go to a few places that maybe you don't normally go. Um, And and he was gracious enough to allow me that. And and I think you're going to really get something very positive out of this podcast. I know I certainly did. Um, This is going to be one that I'm going to listen to a couple of times because I think there's that kind of information in it. So, with that said, uh, in just a second, we'll get to the podcast. Just want to remind you, though, if you're tired of searching dozens of websites for local sports events, visit www.sportcalgary.ca and find hundreds of local events, everything from community gatherings to summer camps and tournaments. And of course, this will become so important as we roll back as the do, different phases come and we have those conversations so we know there will be some semblance of returning to normal Sport Calgary will help you with that let's get to it our original six feet conversation podcast Bob Wilkie I got mine is the website I got mine it was a pleasure to spend some time with Bob normally I would ask somebody what they're doing to kind of keep themselves occupied here with this pause. But just watching you from afar, you have been uh, not short for work. You've done a lot. You've been busy. What have you been up to here in this pause or during the pandemic?
1: You know, Rob, so much of our business is about spreading um, the good word about mental well-being. And so when everything got paused, everybody disappeared. So, you know, we were in shock at first of, we had all these great events and all these people were so excited to have us come to their communities. So we said, you know, we've been using technology. Let's get online. Let's just start having some Zooms. Let's do some webinars. Let's do some Facebook live. And, and if anything, we see opportunity to really take the conversation to a much broader scale because now everybody's watching.
0: (laughs) Which format we're now a little into the weeds, but which format works best for you? Which format do you enjoy using?
1: You know, I, I think Zoom obviously is one of the best. Uh, we use a program called Switcher that allows us to really uh, up our production game, where we can take the videos from people and and make it look really good. Because so much of what's out there is is can be sketchy and you know challenging to watch. Right?
0: Did you pivot very quickly, Bob? Did it? When did it become apparent that there was an opportunity here and a void to fill?
1: We. We're meeting at the beginning of March, so rate right, rate right as everything was starting to shut down in the world and we had all these events and said, okay, first thing we're going to do is cancel them all. Let's take everything off the books and let's focus on really doing um, creating new content that's relative to what we're going through. Right. So we took a week to do that and then it was, okay, let's start broadcasting it out. So... You know, we've been in the online since about 2013, and so we're very familiar, and and thankfully so, because with all the different challenges, to be able to just put stuff out right away was very helpful.
0: What's the strength of this format? Have you found a, you know, when I give you the example, that I'm noticing that there's a a lot more interaction when you use the chat functions or things like that. Is there a strength, do you find, to this format?
1: You know what? I think there is when, when we would go out and do live presentations, we use, uh, an app called Slido and that allows the people in the crowd to be able to voice what they're feeling, what they're struggling with without, you know, having to raise their hand. So we were able to just continue seamlessly using that same platform with this and then show the people, you know, you're not the only one that's angry or frustrated or, you know, feeling depressed. Um, so we've been able to continue to use, um, you know, the Slido platform, which is fantastic for just opening the communication.
0: I don't have a specific question, but I'll, I'll give you a broad opening point. Tell me about the role of, you know, positive mental health and, and, and constructive conversations around mental health and what we're going through right now.
1: Well, it's such a it's such a big thing. You know, we, we we've been we really identified a bunch of years ago what was going on within the sporting world, because that's where I grew up and spent most of my life. Mm -hmm. We started to see that that was the same thing in the education world. We started to see that was the same issue that they were having in the business world. So, you know, seeing that we're all being affected because we don't communicate well, we don't understand our feelings, so we can't communicate our feelings. So much gets misinterpreted. Um, People are very uncomfortable having that conversation so it's critically important. And when COVID comes along and puts everybody into high stress and anxiety, the lack of skills, Rob, is what we're really seeing, is that people always say, yeah, yeah, you know, we'll get to it when we get to it. Well, now you now you got to it. And, you know, what are you doing about it? So the lack of skills is what really concerns us at this point.
0: It, tell me about you, though. Is there a, an element of physician heal thyself here? I mean, You know, we're all going through this, too, but you're, you know, for all intents and purposes, you're front line as well. How are you handling all of this?
1: You know, to be honest with you, the first week uh, I was hit very hard. Um, You know, everything I had been working so hard since 2008 when I started doing this was all starting to come, you know, into play. and, And all of a sudden it was all gone. It really took me back to all the times in my life, Rob, where I had screwed things up because of a bad decision, because of a bad attitude, because of not knowing something. So I kind of had to get through all those past experiences and remind myself that this isn't something that I did. This is something that we're all, you know, going through. So, you know, being able to have those talks every Saturday night and Lanny and Kelly Rudy and and Dr. Perry and one of my old uh, students that I used to coach as a former Marine, he was on our trauma you know, those conversations are just so healing personally, and especially when you see the benefits from the people who are attending, saying thank you so much.
0: Yeah, he healing, but don't you need to do some unpacking too? I mean, it's 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 dark, right? It, it, it can be dark,
1: right? Yeah. No, it, it, it's a it's a lonely place. I know a lot of people are there right now. Um, in the last couple of weeks, we've really determined that uh, the mental fatigue. is starting to take its toll. So, you know, there's a lot of people that are going to start to black out. We know that. And it it, it is a long process. You know, once you put yourself in there, it's really hard to get yourself out. And there's been lots of ropes that have been thrown to us over time. The problem is we can't see the rope because it's so dark. So, you know, we tend to stay in places longer than we need to simply because of our ego. We we feel embarrassed. Um, We don't want to burden other people with our problems and you know, that's what keeps you in the hole. And um the only person that's gonna get you out of those is is you making a, a really good decision to finally start taking care of yourself.
0: How do how did, because of what you do, the people you work with, the people you talk to, how does that color your view of the societal aspect that we're going through? When you watch the news, how do you watch the news, Bob, as compared to how I might watch it?
1: <laughs> um You know, I've become a a real student of of studying behavior. Mm. And, you know, during these times, what I really take notice of is the behavior of people. When I watch the TV, I'm not necessarily listening to the news. I'm looking to the body language of the people around them. How much do they believe in what they're saying? How much are they actually on the same page? Um, You know, when you watch some of the protests that are starting to happen, um, you know, you see... uh, the anxiousness and you can really see the mindset of people, um, when, when they're being reckless and careless. And, you know, it's a time when we really need common sense. And unfortunately, what, what we're seeing more of is, is a lot of nonsense.
0: It, it strikes me less question, more comment. It strikes me that a time like this, and I've mentioned it a couple of times on this podcast that we really separated managers from leaders that, you know, that this is really, you know, it's it's to your point about observing. I think we've observed some very good leaders, but I think we're also observing in the spotlight some managers.
1: Absolutely. You know, self-leadership is, is always the, the form of a great leader. You know, somebody who's a great leader really does things well themselves. They manage themselves. They know what they need to do to take care. And I think what we're seeing uh, a lot in society is like you say, those managers that just don't have the skills or understanding that it's me first. I have to take care of me in order for me to help people, in order to lead people, in order to make good decisions. And unfortunately, yeah, it's being exposed right now.
0: I didn't know, I've never heard that term before. Self leadership. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little give me a little bit on that because that that's fascinating to me.
1: Yeah, I mean the self leadership really when we dove into leadership and we've been studying and, and practicing and 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 you know putting all sorts of things in play. And what we found is when somebody can um, take responsibility for themselves and be accountable for the things that they have to do, the people that they have to answer to the jobs that are required, but most importantly, just that self care, you know, I don't feel very well today. Um, Here's what I need to do for myself, or I know it's going to be a very stressful and anxious day with all the meetings and questions I have to answer. So I need to be mentally prepared for that and not become emotional. And so when we really get to that level where we're able to get through our days successfully, and at the end of the day, when your head's on the pillow, say, you know what? I did a really good job for myself today, yeah. and that helped me help a lot of people.
0: Bob, you used the term we a number of times. Tell me a little bit about the team at igotmine.ca. Who Who are you working with? Who do you surround yourself with?
1: You know, we have former athletes that uh, have become part of our tribe, Um, lots of students. Uh, My daughter is a big part of what we do internally and administratively. And then the great people at Hull Services have been a wonderful partnership. So, you know, what we found was we had the practical and the life experience and we teamed up with Hull because they have all this brain science. So Mm -hmm. now we've learned that when I feel this way, it's because my brain is doing this. So, you know, the team has really grown and, and our capabilities of relating to as many different people has, has expanded exponentially.
0: How big is the network? And, and by the way, love the term tribe. That's in, and Again, there's a couple. we're 10 minutes into this and you're already giving me some food for thought here. But okay, so yeah. how big is the tribe?
1: Um, you know, including all the people that have been to our shows, we're in the thousands. You know, wow. the people that physically do the work, we're, we're in dozens. Um, prior to this, Rob, uh, you know, we were on the road. We were traveling all over Western Canada, yeah. working with organizations and communities and, and putting on events. So, you, you know, what we've been able to do and affect and uh, has been great. And, you know, we're just trying to do the same thing now with a bigger platform.
0: Yeah. It, it, the touring is you're kind of like a band in a way, right? Like you had some pretty substantial plans or were under, undertaking some pretty substantial plans, right?
1: You know, we were we were spreading down to the U.S. Um, in the last couple of months. Actually, had a big trip to Russia planned. There was an organization that wanted us to come over there. Um, so yeah, we, we were getting to that point where we wanted to have that that bigger impact in the world. And and um, yeah, it was it was devastating when everything got canceled. Rob, I'm not going to lie, no. but. Um, The thing i've learned in life is you dust yourself off you get your head straight and and then you figure out where you're going to go and how you're going to do it russia yeah you know the the team that came over for the max tournament um we had been talking for a while and so we did some work with them while they were here and they were very intrigued because they don't do any mental health um, initiatives over in russia so this big sports academy was bringing us over there to develop a, a program specifically for them. That,
0: I'm fascinated by that, Bob, because, you know, of course, Russia, that's Ivan Drago and communism and all of those sort of things. I, The last place I thought I would have seen interest in what you're doing is from a place like that and a different language. How, how were you planning or how were you going to bridge those gaps?
1: Um, so I had an interpreter, a local guy here, uh, Vadim, um, was, was helping me out. So yeah. he would interpret. So when I was working with the kids that were here at Christmas, I would do my presentations and he would be standing beside me, kind of like you see on TV sure. with the, yeah. the yeah. sign language. Yeah. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, practicing Russian, you know, getting on and, and learning the new language and, and really spending a lot of time trying to understand the culture because it is so different. So when you, when you look back at how, They've ended up to be, you know, the perception that they have in the world. Mm. There's a lot of things that have happened over in Russia that caused them to be that way, for sure.
0: You mentioned earlier about watching and studying body language. When you're talking to young kids from, you know, from Russia, what were you seeing from them? How receptive were they to the message?
1: You could see the eyes, you know, the eyes tell everything. And, and, And you could see that there was that relation in their eyes. But then you would see the uncomfortable um, emotions start to take over of embarrassment and nobody wanted to talk. You could see that they got what you said, but you could also see, you know, the hesitation and saying, you know what, I, I struggle with that, too.
0: I, I This is going to sound like such a corny, you know, out of the 80s kind of question, but did you relate to that? Did it feel a little bit about maybe how you grew up in the environment you grew up?
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, the whole reason that this initiative started, Rob, was because as I retired as a professional athlete at the age of 30 with a new baby and, and a young marriage, I was a mess. And I struggled for a couple of years with that transition because I had always been Bob the hockey player. Now I was just Bob. Yeah. And I didn't know who Bob was. So as I started to learn about myself, you know, you learn about the things that have happened to you and, and Sean O'Grady, who's our mental health clinician, really brought that up where every something's happened to all of us. Mm-hmm. And, and so as I went through the different things that had happened to me, I started to see where there wasn't support and why I shut down and, and why I didn't trust. And then I was coaching at the time. So I saw all these kids going through the same thing. And so I thought if I could get ahead of this, if I can educate these kids, if I can give them the skills, I'm not going to stop the things that they have to go through. What we want to do is give them a better mindset and and a tool bag that they can survive and and actually thrive and do well in those, in those high pressure and uncomfortable scenarios.
0: I'm just curious how a a midget age, Bob Wilkie would have, you know, if somebody, if you, somebody like yourself was standing up to again, putting myself in the position of those young Russian kids there and here, that's not why they came to Calgary, right? They came to play in a tournament. I, I, I would just be fascinated how, you or I would have responded. We're about the same age, um, yeah, yeah. you know. Back in the '80s, with with that kind of messaging,
1: it, it was funny because you know there was lots of people in my life that were trying to share messages, but I didn't. I didn't hold them in a high regard. And I remember Neil Sheehy came to one of our midget AAA practices, and everything Neil said, I gobbled up. I mean, he could have be telling me the exact opposite of what every adult yeah. in my life had told me. Mm-hmm. And I would have bought into that. And I think that's where we gain the credibility with athletes is the fact that we've walked in those shoes. So we know what they feel like.
0: Why athletes, Bob? Why Why has, especially the conversation about mental health is really, I think, not predominantly, but has been very strong in the sports world. Athletes have bought in. Have you ever given any thought to why
1: I think because of the pain, uh, I think, you know, when, when you have the realization that something is wrong and you have the courage to say it, and I, and I love watching Robert Leonard, uh, Robin Leonard is a great example sure. to me Yeah. because here's a, here's a young man who, you know, stood up and said, there's something wrong with me. And he went and got help. And when I look at his messages on social media now, it's a completely different dude. And, you know, when you have the realization and, and the courage to stand up and say, I need help, how good it feels on the other end makes you want to stand up and say something. When did
0: you become aware of Robin?
1: Uh, About two years ago. um, You know, there was actually listening to the morning show uh, as I always did in the morning and, you know, talking about how uh, intense he was, how he was MMA, how he scared the crap out of everybody. You know, right there, I know from my own personal experience and what I've learned, there's issues going on. There's something that happened to him that, that caused him to be that way. So, when he came out and acknowledged it, it, it it feels so good as a person because I know the relief that 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 guy is going through. Yeah, and, and he can unpack all the crap that he's been carrying around and start to be who he really wants to be.
0: It's it's interesting that you brought that name up, and the reason you I'm saying it's interesting is because personally, I learned about him. I want to say about 2013, 14, when he was just kind of cutting his teeth with the senators and they were telling me all these crazies, oh, he's like like the fight guy. He wants to fight and he has a bad relationship with his dad and everything. And it's kind of, ooh, that's quirky. And now you read what he's talking about or how he tells his story and it's like, I'm smarter now than I was then, but I think people should have been picking up the sign, shouldn't they?
1: and And you know, from my own personal experience and and you know, being a teammate with Sheldon Kennedy, and yeah. you know, we spent six years together, so we we really there was a lot of things we were doing that were screaming for help that everybody was just labeling us as problems and trouble and and not realizing what we went through and Swift Current, you know, really messed us up and um you know, I think that's the the problem with the mental health stigma in sports and in the world. Mm. Is that when we see somebody acting out or doing things that we would consider to be wrong, um, we don't stop and ask the question, I wonder what's happened to them. We just label them as a problem and avoid them and, and you know, let's get them out of here before they cause more trouble.
0: I, I do want to explore your story a bit and, and go a different direction. But since we're down this path, it, it seems like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm getting you to respond more to me than anything. But mm-hmm. I I look at Bell Let's Talk as this fantastic decade-long project has really done a great job of getting that message out there. But, Bob, I'm wondering about what you do for a living, the people you see. Are we doing a good enough job in creating listeners? Because we're telling people it's okay to talk. Please tell us. But are are we arming the people that might hear the message with the right skills as being a listener? I've always worried about that, that we don't do enough to teach people how to listen.
1: It, you're bang on there, Rob, you know, like they're great initiatives to raise the awareness, but people are still scared to say, I've got a problem because they know the person on the other end. You know, I remember the first time that I started talking about it, mm. I made everybody in the room uncomfortable. And so, because the skill sets are lacking on the other side, this is what makes it a huge challenge for me to finally stand up and say, because you know what I've tried that everything I've said has been um unvalidated and judged um and, and so why would I say anything? So we really don't have the skill set to understand how to start that community uh, communication with people. Um more importantly, we don't really understand how we can go about supporting that person that finally is saying I don't feel very good. Right.
0: Is it easy to teach? I mean, it's one thing for me to say, "Oh, we ought to teach it," but is it yeah. is it easy to teach people how to be good active listeners?
1: It actually is. Um, you know, all the concepts in, in living a mentally uh, balanced and well-being, uh, healthy life are, are very easy to teach. The, the problem is they don't practice them. Um, you know, it's no different than the skills as, as an athlete. is. You want to become better, you got to practice. And these skills are very easy to implement, but because we're not practicing, they don't get any better. And so COVID has really um, shown us how weak our skill set is when it comes to our mental health
0: what are you seeing out right now in terms of minor sport you know there's so many conversations about return to play and um you know and am I going to fall behind and and just the i guess the spider web of things that are involved with young athletes what are you seeing out there right now bob um
1: you know with the young athletes we're seeing a lot of um confusion a lot of sadness, um, a lot of frustration, um, you know, emotions all over the board. There's there's no structure. You know, we were in a world, Robin, and I've heard you talk about this. Is we were almost overdoing these kids. And, you know, when, when you throw them in like that and, and you're, you're here at 2 and then you're here at 3.30 and then you're there <laughs> at 5 and, you know, and all of a sudden now they don't have anything. Well, they've never learned how to be creative. We were kind of laughing about, you know, growing up in the seventies, you you just you had to entertain yourself. Yep. You know, we were all we were all out on the street having a great time and, and figuring things out. And these kids don't have that skill set. So they're very much struggling. And then and then the leadership because the self-leadership above them is, is really struggling too, you know, they're very on edge and, and very nervous about what this all means because the people who usually have their things together. Um, absolutely do not now. And if they don't, what does that spell for me?
0: Yeah, that it's funny. It's funny reference that because that is the one thing that I've said a couple of times is that I hope that what comes out of this is a return to free play is that go, go occupy yourself, go, you know, and, and just the restrictions that are being put into place would almost mandate that we're going to have to get back to that. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, those those were some of the best times as a kid figuring mm-hmm. out, you know, socially, how do I communicate with kids? How do I figure out to, how to solve my own problems? And unfortunately, you know, with the generation today and we talk about it a lot is that we're not making a resilient group. Right. We're we're telling we're, we're making robots. You do what I tell you to do when I tell you to do it. And, and there's no problem. The minute that, you know, we ask kids to be creative, they go, what do you mean?
0: Yeah. It's failure, right? We don't embrace failure as we should,
1: right? You yeah, know, that, that's how we, you know the world has evolved. We've learned from our failures, and mm-hmm. and w- when we don't let kids fail, um, it, it really restricts their growth.
0: Yeah, um, I just want to mention that with I Mind. you do a lot of teaching and classes, and you work with players, parents, coaches, and sports organizations. So you run the gamut. What, tell me about those four groups. What have you learned? since 2008 about working with those four different groups?
1: I've learned that the boardroom and the issues that go on there are really no different than the locker room. Hmm. Um, You know, the issues that we see with young kids, uh, especially in that 14 to 17 age group, tend to be very similar when we work with uh, a business or, you know, things like that. Because people have never gotten the skills to deal with it. It's just repetitive behavior. And and so it's we're all the same. And and I think that's what we've really learned through the whole thing is that I don't care if you're a group of 10 year olds with parents involved, um, you know, or a company that makes lots of money, you know, providing lots of service. The issues are going to be the same. It's just we don't have the skills required.
0: It's it's (laughs) it's a little dangerous sometimes to work in stereotypes. But let me ask you about working with parents. What have what has that experience been
1: like for you? um, exhilarating, eye-opening, um, scary, uh, frustrating, you know, what we really identified Robin in the last two years, as we've been on tour through all the conversations and live polling we've been able to do is that, you know, the, the parents really are the root of the problem today in sports. Um, I know, I I don't want to generalize and say all of the parents, um, but, but there's some out there that make it extremely difficult. You know, we work with coaches quite closely too, mm-hmm. and, and here you've got these two, these two power groups that, you know, the kids are down below and the parents, you know, don't like the coach and the coach doesn't want to talk to the parents and the kids down there looking up at them going, okay, well, which one of you crazy people do I listen to? Um, and it becomes very confusing and frustrating for them too, because yeah. they don't want to piss anybody off.
0: No, it, it, the, the parents are always fascinating to me. Like I, I had great sports parents, you know, I, I have no problems. i you know, I'm good, but I saw them, I saw them growing up. You know, I, I watched Hockey Canada do programming around them. I, they've been labeled, they've been, you know, painted with a brush that I've seen them even today when, with superheroes and some of the, the special needs programming we do, the importance of them. They're just a fascinating group. And and what you do, I, 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 am just, you know, was very interested in how you observe them.
1: So what we did is when we first started doing this is we'd go and talk to the kids and the kids would be so excited because they get to have a conversation where there's no judgment and they can, they can vocalize and they're understood. And And so we'd go back a couple weeks later for our next meeting and the kids would say, you know what, Bob, I I love coming here. The problem is when I go with my parents, they don't talk like you. And when I go to my coaches, they don't talk like you. So I really, I have nowhere to go with this stuff. And, and it's hard for me to keep doing it because I just get more. So we created programs for coaches and parents. And this year with the Calgary Buffaloes association, we actually had the athletes, the parents and the coaches all going through their own curriculum of how we need to make this experience the best possible one that we can. And the results that we saw um, were amazing from parents, you know, breaking down in tears because they finally realized what they were doing.
0: How much of that revolves around the car ride home? That's the one thing, if I've learned anything about minor sports in in, in the last couple of years, that is probably the most critical conversation piece between a parent and a
1: child. It's the most powerful experience, both positively and negatively. Right. Um, we were in Red Deer at the beginning of the year, and, and one of the dads came up after and said, You know, I knew on that ride home if I was in trouble because when we left the rink, if dad turned left, I was going to get it. If we were going right, then I did well. And I was. We know from the brain science that, you know, the way that we sit in the car, not face to face, um, is one of the best things that we can do when we're starting a conversation because people who you know, struggle to communicate that eye-to-eye and face-to-face can mm. be very difficult. So yeah. side-to-side is one of the most natural things that really starts it. And if the parents are listeners and, and they learn how to ask good questions, they're going to gain the trust and respect of their kids to be able to really come to them when they do have serious problems because what we see typically is the kids struggle to figure it out on their own because – they know mom and dad aren't really listening.
0: Hmm. When did that, when did that part get on the radar for you? I feel like I'm late to every dance, but it it just seems like, you know, here you are talking about brain science, right? We're not talking about a theory that you and I have. There's actual data to this.
1: Yeah. And and that really started with my relationship with Hull, because I felt like what we were doing with, I got mind at the time was, was very good. Um, It was, it was, you know, unlike anything that people were doing out there because it's not sports psychology. It's not psychology. You know, these are life experiences, but all of a sudden when I start to get this brain science that affirms everything that we were seeing and doing, well now it's just rock solid.
0: Yeah. It's, it's on. Um, I wanted, I have to do a promo for sport carry, but I want you to do a promo first, then we'll move on to something else. So tell us a little bit about the website and some of the things you're doing right now. We'll mention it again at the end, but this seems like a good time.
1: You know, for any organization out there that's struggling with their members and and because it's a tribe and and we're that community, we know that we're all struggling out there. And what we at I Got Mind want to do is be able to support your tribes and communities by coming in and having different talks. We can talk with just the parents. We can talk with the parents and the kids or we can just talk to the kids um, and really relay some of this information that's going to make a difference during this time. We need to be stronger on the back end. And right now we're all very vulnerable and weak. And and in order to become strong, we've got to learn things. And and that's what we do at I Got Mind is we want to support you and your tribe and community in whatever way we can about really helping you understand um, how to live a mentally healthy life.
0: And I'll I'll just let everybody know, not sure what sports are provided in Calgary? Sport Calgary Sport Directory will help you find sport and sports organizations that are right for you. Visit sportcalgary.ca to learn more, although I would say Bob's website probably a little more important. Um, when I knew you were going to come on, yeah. you know, the, the natural broadcaster thing is, well, we'll, we'll talk about your story, but Bob, you've done that. Um, and yeah. I'm just, i when I've never talked to somebody with a story like yours is about the, the decision and the results and the ramifications of that. Um, yeah. everybody knows you, everybody knows your story. Your story is available. Is, is it difficult? Was it difficult to get? to kind of give up that ownership of it was it difficult to i know you're sharing but in many ways you really don't own that anymore we all have a piece of it is it was that difficult
1: um yeah because you know when when you go through some of the things that i've gone through in my life you tend to put yourself in a bubble so you know that that's kind of mine and i found it very difficult to to first of all kind of pop that bubble and just start to to let it out, and and I found the more that I did, the more people could relate, and and all the feedback coming back was, oh yeah, I went through this when I was such and such. So I started to realize the power of of, of the story, and that I could use that for good rather than you know the shame and guilt that I was feeling um, for a very very long time.
0: Did you did you give up? Is there any of it you regret in the sense of, I guess I didn't need to do that or I didn't need to say that. I mean. Yours is such an open. Here I am. You're you're basically ripping your chest open for everybody to see, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, What you know? Was it hard to do that? Yeah, it was absolutely hard to do that because. But do you regret any of
0: it? Do you regret? Do you? I mean, I didn't need to go down this path. That's the part that I've always wondered. Is it an all or nothing? Is it a? Is it you know a a total sum uh, equation?
1: Nope. There's stuff that uh, I still hold in, you know, okay. personal that I don't feel like people need to know. Um, you know, the things that I've learned over the years are that there's certain things to my story that people do find very powerful. Mm-hmm. And and so let's use those. And and these ones, um, people don't need to know that.
0: Yeah. And, and that was a conscious. Was that a conscious decision or did it evolve that way for you? Because at some point you make a decision to move forward, right?
1: Yeah, I, I think it was a conscious decision. You know, as I started to think about what else can I offer, what else can I talk about, I really had to go through my whole category of, uh, uh, you know, the chapters in all my books and go, yeah, that one's really not for people, mm-hmm. um, but this one is.
0: Right. How do you view hockey now? Because your life is connected to it, you're you're intertwined. Not to suggest you're not working with other athletes. That's not what I'm suggesting. But your story comes from a hockey base. You hockey was. You know, you were a pro right up to, what, 2000, right? And and, yeah, and you coach. So how do you view hockey now?
1: You know, I'm hopeful. Um, I think what happened this year with players finally starting to speak out about some of the things that had happened to them,
0: mm-hmm.
1: as much as I, I was happy to see that, I was very unhappy the way it came out. Sure. Um, you know, that's a conversation between you and I, Rob, you know, you've upset me. Let, let's let talk this out. Social media is not where we air our dirty laundry. But it also, you know, finally got um, the powers that be involved enough to say, we've got to be better. And so when what we see in professional sports is if it starts here, eventually, it's going to filter down. So we are seeing more and more organizations go, this is very important that we learn how to do this. So I'm very hopeful for the game of hockey to be what it is because Rob it's given me everything. And I love the game um, so much and and it's given me so much. And and it was quite painful to know that it was my lack of skills that caused me to hate the game that, that was giving me everything.
0: Do you, are you able to go back now through a different lens? You, you went through trauma, you went through tragedy, you, you, you went through so much um, for instance, you were a Wrangler before you were a Bronco. Are, are, yeah. do, are you able to go back and, you know, view your time in Calgary before any differently? Does it, does it work that way, Bob? I guess I, I'm asking. You know what it,
1: it, it does. Um, because you know, especially that year as a 16 year old, I wasn't even expected to make the team and, and then I made the team as a defenseman, which was even harder because I was a right winger growing <laughs> up. Um, <laughs> But then I had to deal with a lot of anger from from the veterans because I was getting playing time. I was getting acknowledgement. And that tended to be my focus for a long time. But now, you know, learning what I've learned and seeing it the way that it really was, what a great experience. And Sandy Huckle was just the best guy. And, and, and you know, the camaraderie. And I'm still friends with the trainer, Josh Hirschfield, today. And, like, so many good things came out of it. So when I let all, you know what I mean, the disappointment go... I get to see the things that I went through for what they really are. And they were awesome.
0: Yeah. How do you view your pro hockey career now?
1: Um, You know, that one's still a struggle. It's funny, Rob, I still can't go to a Flames game. You know, every time I walk into a rank um, at that magnitude, it's just such a painful experience for me because I knew that I, I've learned that I was the one responsible for not panning out. Mm -hmm. Um, I I can watch the game on TV, no problem, but it's being in that building that really shook me. So it's something that I'm still trying to come to grips with, the fact that I cost myself um, all the things that I had been chasing for so long.
0: So is it regret then? Is that how you describe It, it?
1: it? It was regret. I think now it's more... Um, let's not go back to that place. Let's make sure we're not doing those things again. Um, you know, unfortunately when you have that kind of behavior, it, it can still show up at different times. So I really have to be aware, um, if I'm starting to slide like the first week of COVID, you know, I could have dove right back into sure. the depression, Absolutely. but it's like, no, no, let, let's get our stuff together here and, and keep going.
0: How powerful is that for what you do? Because you're not bounding on a stage like Tony Robbins and saying, hey, I got, you know, a 10 different things for you to do and we'll fix you. You're raw. You're human. You, you have the same foibles that we all do. And when you're talking to somebody to be able to say, look, here's where I'm at. And I don't know if you do that, Bob, but I, it seems like a very powerful tool to have in your toolbox.
1: One of the funny things that we do is when you ask somebody how they're feeling, you know, we'll say I'm consciously where I'm in a negative vibration. And, you know, to be able to let people know how you really feel, um, I think is a very powerful thing in developing a relationship you know, I don't feel very good when COVID first broke out and, and, you know, I remember sitting with my family and they said, are you okay? And I said, no, actually I'm not. You could see the look of concern on their face. So it opened the possibility for a different conversation. Here's why I don't feel very good today. It's nothing that you did. Mm -hmm. It's I'm going through all this. So If you don't mind giving me some space, um, you know, and I'll let you know when I'm back on my feet. Do
0: we still look for miracle solutions or, you know, are we still looking for a miracle cure? We as the public, not you and I, but we as the public.
1: I, I think absolutely. You know, we've become as a society and what we've seen is if there's a pill for it, you know what I mean? I'll take it. And this is one of those things, unfortunately, you know, your mental health and well-being It is a lot of hard work. You know, all the survivors that we've talked to have said, you know, once I got on the path, I felt so much better. But it's still hard work to this day to continue to use and practice and develop more skills.
0: How did how did humble the humble experience impact you?
1: A lot of fear right away, Rob. Um, You know, a a good friend of mine, Kevin Yellow texted me and said, did you hear about the Bronco bus? And, um, you know, what the hell are you talking about? And sure enough, a half hour later, we had some pretty good tidbits of the story. And I was scared to go to bed that night because, you know, 20 years of of nightmares, I I was just, I'm like, are they all going to come back? And uh, I went to bed that night, I woke up, and that's when I knew that I was healed because I I wasn't carrying that anymore. It didn't come back. And, you know, that's when we knew that we could really go to Humboldt and try and help these people because we had found our peace with it.
0: Did you worry beforehand of of that? Was that something in the back of your head that don't want anybody to have to go through that again? And again, I apologize, but I'm I'm kind of trying to live it through your eyes and you're being so honest about it. I mean, were you worried about this?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You know, I think that's one of the, we talked about it in, in our loss and grief webinar the other day is, you know, I think I've been through so much loss. I've learned how to look at it that I've also lived a very good life. And I think the, lot, the amount of loss that I've gone through shows that I've lived a very good life. You know, yeah. I put myself out there a lot. Um, you know, anytime I see something like that, I, I feel so bad for the people because I know how it's going to change them. And, and they have no idea what's ahead of them and how they're going to do it. And we just had Chris Joseph on that loss and grief webinar. I saw and, that, yeah. You know, he's two years into, um, you know, losing his son and and still struggling with things. You know, I see a car accident on the road. I hear about something on the news. And, and yeah, right away, I become very empathetic to the people that are going to be affected. No different than this COVID thing. Uh, I'm, I'm very sad for a lot of people because they're going to places that they simply don't need to go.
0: In, in terms of, of humble, did you become an advocate? Were you an advocate or were you a, a caregiver? How do you view your role in that?
1: I think I was a behind the scenes caregiver more than anything. You know, I was constantly trying to um, email or text or call the people that I knew, you know what I mean, were open to having those conversations. Um, We actually went back and did a big weekend for, we got the first responders together, we got the families together because they both had unanswered questions. So we were able to put them in a room and the first responders could tell the families of, this is how his last you know, breath was, or, you know, this is how courageous he was in helping other people. And just, I, I know from going through those experiences of trying to make sense of stuff and why the more we can connect people and, and the experiences, you know, you can, you can kind of move forward.
0: Did, was there any peace to be found?
1: There was, you know, I, I remember leaving Humboldt, um, knowing that what we had shared helped provide a a little bit of, um, relief, but also a little bit of hope. And and I think, you know, being very honest, like we are here, Rob, Mm. you're going to be in pain for quite a while, Mm -hmm. but here's some of the things that you can do that can alleviate that pain quicker. If you go down this road, however, that pain's going to last for a long time. So you're at a critical juncture in your life where you have to make a decision to go this way or to go this way. And everybody in your family and around you is going to need you. So, you know, we strongly recommend that you start down this path.
0: Odd question, but you're, I think, very uniquely um, in a position to answer it. Tell me about the role of tributes. Tell me about the role of, you know, the, Western Hockey League's MVP is the Four Broncos trophy. You know, there's a memorial, um, you know, in Humble, you know, we, we have all kinds of more modern, I guess, examples of tributes. But as a, as a survivor and as somebody went through it and, and, and helped heal in the second go around, if you want to call it that, how do you view things like tributes?
1: I think they're fantastic. You know, I I think that they really honour the people. Um, I think it gives us an opportunity to always remember uh, our experiences with those people. Um, I think they're very powerful in being able to share those stories with people who don't know the story. Um, You know, and this is how a community, like for us, every time I go by the the, the tribute to N-Swift that Bill Lee has put together in that beautiful granite four-leaf clover, Yeah you know, it, it gives me goosebumps just talking about it to think about all the fun that I had with those guys and what we were able to accomplish as a community to win a Memorial cup and be considered one of the best teams ever in the history of Canadian junior hockey. I think that really says a lot to, you know, what these life experiences can do to us, um, when we handle them properly.
0: What an answer, because of course for us, something happens, we were not attached to it. We just what do we do we will build tributes we'll do tributes (laughs) that's not what i think about when i see that tribute right when i go and i see that it's not what i think about but for you that's i'm glad i asked the question because it's i've always wondered about that you know it's a reaction right we weren't there what can we do we'll raise money we'll 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 do this we'll do that but as somebody went through it to hear you talk about thank you for that answer by the way that was uh, that was great um I want to go back to what you talked about because I think the issue you were alluding to to was Akeem Alou and some of the uh, uh, accusations were made about coaches this year. How do you um, view almost that knee-jerk response of, yes, but wait, but you don't know, or, you know, we're piling on, or, you know, this was a a real interesting year for coaches, I think, in hockey. How how did you see it?
1: Yeah, you know, like I say, I, I don't agree with the way it came out. I, I don't like that it was laundered um, in public. But I think it, it was great because, you know, for so many years, coaches have really held that power differential over athletes. And I think, you know, now there's coming a new awareness where, you know, you can't treat other people like that. And we talk about it a lot, Mm -hmm. um, especially with the brain science, because it really does cause things for people when you have to live in an environment where where you're constantly living in alarm, fear and terror for your job, um, for your acceptance of who you are um, and for your performance on a daily basis. And it's part of the job being a professional athlete. Yes, but it's very unhealthy as well. And, it's time for these coaches to learn some new skills to, you know, still do the same thing, but in a way where we're not causing, you know, 20 years of alcoholism and three marriages and lost fortunes. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately those are all things that happen because of the way that that young man was going through and, and pe- the way people were treating him.
0: Do you have an accommodation for societal shift? Cause that was, well, it happened back then and things were different then right that that and you obviously know all about that one right yeah do you have any accommodation for that
1: yeah absolutely you know um and again when you start to study start to study behavior what you really find is you know after the first world war it messed up a lot of people um, because of what everybody had to go through. And and it's the trauma that rewires our brain. Mm -hmm. Well, right after that, you throw in the great depression, you throw in world war two, you throw in the Spanish flu, you know what I mean? So that whole generation was messed up. and, And now they're raising kids and, 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 you know, domestic abuse and alcoholism and sexual abuse and all these things. And so it just, it continues until somebody says, you know what, I don't think we have to do this anymore. And I think that's what society's doing more than anything is waking up to realize we, we don't have to do it that way anymore. How do you,
0: how do you view what Sheldon's doing, what Theo's doing, what, you know, we're starting to again, more advocacy and more voices. And, you know, you guys are all out there, I think pulling on the same rope in the same direction, aren't you?
1: I, I believe so. You know what it is, is creating awareness and, and, How you go about that, I think, is different for everybody because you find things that work, Shelley and and the respect in sport and the respect in the workplace and and all the great work he did, um, you know, around the world uh, with sexual abuse was just it was it was awesome to watch as a former teammate and and knowing what Sheldon went through to see him on that platform and. You know, we had Theo a part of one of our shows and and, you know, his theory is a little different because of (laughs) the healing that he's learned. And I think like anything, people are going to gravitate to what feels good to them. So they're all good programs. And the fact that if you're in this one or this one or this one, that's great, because at least you're being proactive and doing something about
0: it. Non-competitive, more, you know, kind of fitting the needs of the individual.
1: I think there's always a little competitive and then I said (laughs) to (laughs) Rob okay well fair enough best one in the world
0: (laughs) sure sure but but there is room right I guess let me ask it that way there's room right
1: the bandwidth is huge yeah okay and and I think we're really seeing that today is now now they're talking about the mental health wave that's going to hit because of COVID we don't have enough programs and people that are going to help so yeah I, I think you know for for somebody to, to, to look into how they could be better themselves and, and become healthy again, uh, there's a million different resources, and that's a fantastic thing.
0: Not, not overall, but just in day-to-day life. What makes you happy? When are you your happiest, Bob?
1: You know, it's funny, Rob, I ask myself that question on a weekly basis. Um, you know, I, I think it varies for me right now, you know, knowing that we're doing work that's making a difference for people. I think, um, you know, being able to spend time with my family and know that they're healthy. Uh, I like to get out on the golf course. Today I want to feel happy because I'm going to go fishing, um, you know, or we're going to have some friends and do some social distancing partying. I think every day I get to decide how I want to feel happy and what I'm going to do to make that happen. So I've really learned not to pigeonhole into one thing. It's what would make me happy today has is, is really helped me a lot.
0: Yeah. Do you you working in the world of goals or you a journal guy or anything like that or
1: a a big part of, of, you know, our process and what we try and help people understand is we, we, we're naturally goal seeking organisms as human beings. Mm -hmm. We always want to accomplish something. And if you have a, a very detailed plan of how you're going to achieve that, your odds of success go way up. So we're big believers in, in the goal setting process, journaling, um, saved me from myself so many times and being able to just, we call it mentally throwing up on a piece of paper Mm -hmm. and then going back and reading it and saying, you know what, you're actually kind of being a spoiled little brat about this, or, you know, you're overreacting and, and, and I don't have to carry that anymore. So those are processes we know, um, again, from the science very much help us uh, achieve a healthy lifestyle.
0: That one I've heard a lot Like I've heard a lot about journaling over the last couple of months that, you know, before I just thought it was, well, it's a tool for certain people, but I, I, there's a lot, as you say, there's science to it, but there is a widespread, you know, kind of uh, movement out there to get people to do it just for what you were talking about. Right.
1: Yeah. You know, in the webinars that we've been holding for sports organizations and, and even business organizations the last couple of weeks, one of the things that we include is just a, a, a timetable. So here's a weekly schedule that we would recommend you get started on because people they get they become unfocused, they don't know what to do, and so when we put that structure down, now we're committing to ourselves what we're going to do, right. and we know again through the brain science and and really that self confidence piece. When I can look at that week and I have a check mark beside everything that I said I was going to do. The reflection on the back page allows me to say how proud I am of myself and, and what I had to overcome. And, and so you can go back and look at the next week and this one was crappy, but this one was good. What was the difference? I really found Rob working with young athletes is if they were successful, I would ask them the question, why are you so successful? And they go, I don't know. And and so, you know, the goal setting and the journaling is just such a great um, tracking and measuring tool. If you're in a slump, why are you in a slump? Well, I started thinking negatively. I'm not sleeping well. I'm not eating. No different than somebody that has to go to work or or stay at home uh, with their kids now. It's like, why do I feel so crappy? Well, I'm not sleeping. I'm irritated all the time. I've got no boundaries. Those are problems that can be solved pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do you you work 24-7? Are you kind of on the job all the time, you know, or... or Or can you get away for a day and not worry about, you know, the website or the next seminar or, or, you know, what somebody might be going through right now?
1: Uh, I'm practicing, Rob. Um, You know, I'm getting much, much better at it. Um, Again, with the schedule, I by, you know, Tuesday nights, I work late because I have lots of groups that I deal with. We do a a leadership for athlete thing. We got lots of organizations going through that. Um, But Wednesday night, no, I'm done you know, or Sunday night, it's just family time. So yeah. I, I, it is something I'm practicing.
0: You're practicing it, but do you, that, that's what I, you know, I, I done the same way, like, okay, I'm out of the office now, but am I really out of the office? You, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, my success rate, I'd say is in the 75%, you know, range. Okay. Um, where, where, you know, if I'm going to do something, I'm okay to leave my phone. Um, I'm okay to say, you know what, I don't really want to talk about that. Let's talk about something else. I don't want to. So like I say, you know, the more I practice, the better I get. I don't know that I'll ever be a hundred percent because I love what I do so much.
0: Tell me about kids today versus when we were young. What have you learned?
1: Uh, I think they're smarter. Um, I think, I think they're really in tune with the people that are around them um, and how to survive. You know, we're, I think we were a little more careless and, mm-hmm. and, and learned by trial and fire because so much is structured for these kids. They really get to watch, you know, what they like and what they don't like. Um, but I'm very fearful for the generation coming up because I don't see a lot of that self-leadership that we were talking about. I don't see a lot of resilience. I see a ton of entitlement, um, a, a very weak understanding uh, of a good work ethic. Um, you know, those are the things that are really concerning when we see the kids today is everybody wants to be the Olympic athlete or the millionaire athlete, but they're not doing what they should be doing at thirteen and fourteen years old.
0: They are or the parents aren't?
1: Um the kids aren't. Okay. Um <laughs> And, and, you know, and then there's a confusion with the parents where they're doing too much. You know, yeah. we say it's like, you know, you take your kid to a buffet and it's fun to watch them because they have 10 of everything on their plate. <laughs> and, and, and then, you know, what we do to them in sport, unfortunately, is we're saying five minutes after they finished everything on their plate, now you got to go back and do it again. Yeah. And so the, the plate's a little smaller this time. And then five minutes later we say, okay, go back and do it again. Well, by the third time you tell them to go back, They don't want anything to eat. So I think parents are um, can really kill motivation for the passion to be in sport.
0: Just a couple more for you, Bob. And, you know, it's funny. I asked you about Sheldon and Theo a minute ago. I guess I should have paired this question with that. Why Calgary? Why are a lot? Why is a lot of what we're talking about so much happening here in Calgary?
1: Uh, Being a native Calgarian, it's always been to me a very innovative city, Mm -hmm. a very open city, um, a very supportive city. Um, You know, you love it when you hear it on the news, you know, Calgarians are tough. I think they are. Um, You know, I started my business on the East Coast down in the States and I tell you, it, it was not open minded. It was very closed minded. So I think Calgarians are very open minded people. I think they're very resilient people. Because of all the different crashes with the oil industry that we've been through
0: sure.
1: um the floods you know you know what I mean like there's just a, a lot of things by living where we live that you got to be tough and
0: there's a and there's obviously a lot of you know space bandwidth if you will for what you're doing here too because of the nature of the sports that are played in this city right
1: yeah absolutely you know it, it it's a huge um opportunity in so many different levels we've been with you know, gymnasts that are 12 and 13 years old. We've been with girls softball teams, you know, like there's so much going on in the city that it, it gives us a great opportunity to deal with a lot of different uh, sports.
0: So two more for you positively or negatively, what's the the thing we're not paying close enough attention to that you think we're going to have to deal with here in the next couple of years in what, in, in your, in your sphere?
1: Um, we're going to have to practice our self-care way better than we do. Mm. We're going to have to put ourselves first in making sure that we're okay. And um, that's going to take a full-time effort because it's not one of the things we're taught, you know, it's, we're not taught to be selfish. We're not taught to, um, you know, we're always, it's always about the team, but I think we have to shift that a little bit and really focus on um, I need to take care of me. And, and you know what, that means that I have to say no to what you've asked.
0: All right, right off the board, my last question for you, and I give you no parameters. Here you go. Bob, give me your hidden Calgary gem. Give me a hidden Calgary gem.
1: I think it's funny that you say that. One of the first memories that pops into me when you ask that is chicken on the way. (laughs) Sure. That was that was our treat as kids. You know, dad would drive all the way down yep. um, to the one on 14th Street and we would have to wait in line for those corn fritters. And it brings <laughs> back such a special memory. And I always tell people we got to go to chicken on the way.
0: Oh, That's brilliant. Hey, listen, I really appreciate you doing this. Um, I can honestly tell you this is the first one I have to go back and listen to again. Man, you covered a lot and I appreciate it. Uh, goes without saying that the honesty is what blows my mind. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for doing what you're doing. And, and I wish you good luck. Um, I, I'm just fascinated by your journey and, and where it's going to take you next.
1: Thank you, Rob. I really appreciate the opportunity to share. And uh, I've always enjoyed listening to you. So it's a real honor to to be talking to you. Right? Keep up the good work.
0: That is the one, the only Bob Wilkie. Uh, again, I said it to him, and I'll say it to you, I, I this is one I'm going to have to go back and listen to again. There was a lot to cover there. Bob is um, very gracious with his time, but also very honest in his answers, and I appreciate that. The website is IGotMind.ca, um, and as we're going through this pandemic, he has programming that he can help, um, you know, for young athletes and for everybody. To be perfectly honest, and Bob and I were talking afterwards. He's got a, a project coming up for for men. Um, and we'll hopefully keep you abreast of that. So you want to keep track of him on social media and what he's doing on the website. So thanks to Bob. Thanks to all of our guests. Uh, It has been a great run so far. We're up over 40 podcasts. If uh, you love them, like them, uh, need them, want them, or okay with them, maybe it's something to kill time for you, whatever the need is. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, subscribe, listen. You'll you'll get them all right there. I am Rob Kurt. You know who you are. Thank you, thank you, thank you for spending a little time here on the original Six Feet Conversation podcast for Sport Calgary.